All right, welcome back to the JR Takes Sportscast. Back at you here with Ryan Rogers and Jonah Hoffman. And Jonah, man, a lot can change in 10 days, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was it? A couple hours after we did the last episode, Geno Smith had signed his deal. I think it was literally like within an hour when we hit stop on the recording. So. Yeah, I remember we were texting each other afterward being like, damn it, we should have just waited a couple, a couple hours later and we would have had that information and we would have been able to talk about it right on the spot. And that would have been like the first episode we did that covered a, like a recent breaking news like live event i know i don't know why the seahawks always wait so long in the fucking day to make their moves but they always seem to make them at like like 4 p.m or so and at that point Mm -hmm. you know you've been watching all these other teams make these moves all day and you're just like what the fuck john like sign somebody and then so you give up and then it's like oh now we're doing stuff um sorry just okay yeah um yeah so that basically changed the entire dynamic of what we were talking about in the last episode. I know we were talking about, you know, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. Um, I really, I don't really see that being on the table in the, anymore after not only this move, but did you see we resigned, re-signed Drew, Drew Locke? Yeah. Um, quickly, though, before we uh, get too far into it, the Geno contract is the most team-friendly quarterback contract I think I've ever seen. His cap hit is barely $10 million for 2023. I thought it was going to be 30 going into the offseason. That's insane that he agreed to it. It's it's really cool that he's you know confident enough to bet on himself and reach these uh, incentives. But, um, man, I'm almost like, Gino, why didn't you get more money out of us? It, to me, it seems like Gino is kind of a man of his word. You know, he did say he wanted to pay Seattle back for giving him the chance. And to me, signing a $25 million deal with incentives is doing that. Yeah. And man, isn't that a breath of fresh air after every, I always loved Russell Wilson, but every fucking time that guy was up for a contract, it was stressful. And Mm -hmm. it seemed like he was squeezing us for every last dime going back to, you know, 2014, 2015 through the first contract. I think a lot of that was his agent. His Mark agent. Rogers. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of infamous for being a dickhead. I think John Schneider even mentioned on a radio call the other day that he said it was like refreshing to not have to deal with, you know, he said it in political terms, but basically the bullshit that he had been dealing with of Mark Rogers for a fucking decade. <laughs> um, uh, but the biggest splash move the Seahawks made this week was signing Draymond Jones mm-hmm. from the Denver Broncos of all teams. Man, th- their loss is our game just over and over and over again. It's it's just getting comical at this point. But uh, he was on 710, 710 ESPN, I think, either today or yesterday. Today. Or, it, or No, no, no. I listened to it today. I think it might have been yesterday. Oh. Well, uh, whatever it was. No, maybe it was today. It might have been this morning that he was yeah. on. So yeah, he was. Hearing it. But uh, he mentioned <laughs> that there was too much drama in Denver last year, and that's part of why he wanted to come here. And It's just so funny. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And Yeah, he also mentioned that like during the free agency process, they were like playing games with him and shit. Mm. And like, that just th- that just seems like a mess. Yeah, that's <laughs> got to be one of the more volatile situations in, in the league right now. I mean, them in like Arizona, as far as just like drama and, you know, bad vibes <laughs> is concerned <laughs> and, you know, new head coaches. But it was very un-Seahawk like considering the past, I don't know, eight off seasons for us to sign a big name, big contract free agent like this on the first day because the last time I can think we did that was literally Sidney Rice. Like when we gave out a big contract to somebody mm-hmm. we've made a lot like, cause you know, people forget when we got Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett at the time, they were under the radar moves. Like those weren't big household name players at the time. So it was just kind of a shock that they're like, all right, we're going to throw out a $50 million, you know, four year contract for this guy. But that's the beauty of the Geno Smith contract. It's allowing us to make all these moves where if we had given him like what Daniel Jones is getting, like we would have had no room to sign anyone basically. But yeah. That's absolutely crazy to me. And what do we have to work with? What is it like 14 
the cap space. around there. Yeah, it's re- I have no idea right now because we've made a bunch of moves this morning. And uh, yeah, uh, okay. with the Devin Bush signing and also um, Julian Love. Did you hear about that one? Yeah, the Giants uh, defensive back that you were telling yeah, me about. Yeah, so he, I, I guess let's like break down these signings one at a time. But as far as the cap space goes, I, I, I got to see an update because some of the contract details still haven't come out. I, I have no idea what's going on. Um, but another really significant move we made, um, well, we signed Jerron Reed as well. That's to me, that's just solid. We had basically no defensive line depth. Uh, we released Shelby Harris. We released, um, what's his name? Quinton Jefferson. We Mm -hmm. basically traded Shelby Harris and Quinton Jefferson for Draymond Jones and Jerron Reed. Both those guys are younger and both of them are upgrades and, and it cost, Jaron Reed. We know what we have in him. Yeah. His best football came when he was in Seattle. He hasn't done great since he left, but you know, maybe, maybe Pete knows how to get the good out of him. Um, but a move we made this week that I really like is the signing of Evan Brown. I believe his name is. Yeah. Evan Brown. He's got the versatility to play center and guard. He's started at both for the Lions, and the Lions have had a really good line for the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so this guy could end up being our starting center, and he's only getting paid like $2 million. I don't know how we managed to swindle that. but he's How a, old is he? I think he's 27. Oh, okay. Yeah, two yeah. years of experience in the league. Is that what you said? He oh, started 24 games. Yeah, the last two years he's been a starter. I'm not gotcha. I'm not sure how long he's been in the league. But uh yeah, Lions pl- uh Lions fans seem to like him a lot. Um so I think that's going to be a good move for us. And it also gives us the versatility going into the draft um that like yeah, we should still take a interior O lineman or two, maybe at center, but we don't have like we're not forced to overdrafting someone in the first round right. to play center because I think that'd be really dumb. <clears throat> so I I think that's maybe the one of the best moves we made this week. Um, and then getting into today, what we've made, uh, I really like the uh, the linebacker signing from Devin Pittsburgh. Bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember twenty four, and I remember him being a big piece to their defense. What was it when when they started off like eleven and zero or something? Yeah, I feel like I remember he he got hurt. Like yeah, he tore his towards ACL the, towards the playoffs, and then they were. That was like a big loss for them, and then I think they like lost right. Was that twenty twenty? Maybe or it was. It was recent. It wasn't that long ago. I yeah, remember. I remember watching that eleven and zero start. Though I was like, this team is such a fraud. <laughs> that yeah, that Pittsburgh team with Ben Roethlisberger just walking around like a zombie, throwing hideous checkdowns every play. I think that was a perfect signing. Exactly what I would have wanted us to do because he's a good enough linebacker to where his name is not like going to break the bank. Yeah. He's, I would say he's around a B grade type of linebacker. You're going to, he's going to get paid, but he's he's got a ton of upside and we only gave him, I I think that's the contract they still haven't given out the details for Mm -hmm. yet, but it's probably pretty low in compensation. And you know, if we can get him back to the way he was playing his rookie year his first couple years in the league that's a steal yeah and uh i'm also kind of curious to see where bobby decides to go because i would think that he already got paid by the rams so i wouldn't imagine there's going to be a team seeking to overpay uh how old is he? Thirty-two year old, thirty-three year old linebacker, something like that. Yeah, uh, and I would think that Bobby would probably want to come back here because you see a lot of former Seahawks players coming back because mm-hmm. they love the culture so much. Yeah, and, and regardless of how they left, too, I don't know if you remember, but there was some drama when Jerron Reed left. Like he was not stoked with our front office as he left, as often a lot of players are. I think um, I actually heard uh, Mike and Salk or not Mike and Salk, Brock and Salk on their uh, podcast this week, bring up how the the way Pete Carroll kind of treats players like family, it's great, but also when they get cut or traded or moved on from, I think our players feel extra hurt by it. Mm-hmm. At least that's, they said something along the lines of that. I never thought about it, but I'm like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. It It's 
Yeah, it's very similar to a bad breakup. You think yeah. like <laughs> you you I imagine the players probably look at Pete Carroll and they sort of see uh resen- I don't want to say father figure but like a, I, I think kind of uh, though. Uh, that yeah, I guess a, a figure of that sort. And when you realize it's the business side of things, then it's like probably crushing a crushing How moment. Could dad for do them. this to me. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I think, I think there might be some truth to that for sure. Um, but I'm just, I'm starting to wonder like if Bobby is going to be one of those free agents this year that doesn't sign to like almost training camp. Um, Cause I figured it would have already happened by now. And I, all of the linebackers and free agency pretty much have gotten eaten up, you know, like at the top of the market, even, um, Levante David resigned with the bucks. Uh, I, I can't think off the top of my head, all the linebackers that were free agents this week, but almost all of them are gone besides Bobby. So I'm, I'm just starting to wonder what is going on with that. Um, but another curious move we made today, we brought it up earlier, the Julian love signing. This is a starting player, you know, like he's not, a depth piece really like this guy is good enough to the point where he should be on the field most plays this year. I wonder what their plan for him is. Cause I wonder if their plan is to cut Jamal Adams. I've seen a lot of speculation about that, but financially I wouldn't do that. I would give him one more year. Yeah. And I'm financially it, it ruins us if we, if we cut him cause like, yeah, we save 8 million, but the dead cap hit is still insane. And there's another dead cap hit for it next year if we cut him this year. So I, I think a trade would make more sense if anything, but I don't think you, I feel like you're getting a fifth round pick for Jamal Adams. Yeah. Right now. Hold on to him. And if he does pan out this season, there's your run stopper. That's yeah. At- and plus I love Jamal Adams, the player. <laughs> I think Jamal Adams trade was, you know, it obviously hasn't worked out, but I, the player himself is fucking awesome. He's yeah. one of the most electric players on our team on either side of the ball just can't stay healthy. Um, I did see an encouraging update from his Instagram or something of him like running on a treadmill. So I know he's, he's working his way back from that injury, but I can't imagine what that would feel like having your fucking quadriceps disconnected. Like, ugh, that's, that makes me cringe just thinking about it. That's a bad injury. So yeah, hopefully uh, he's ready in time for no, training no, camp, but we we'll see. I, I would be shocked, but you know, I say just give him time. I think we'll be fine without him. We played without him basically yeah. all of last year anyway. So just, you know, don't rush him back. We also, so we have a tender or a right of first, <laughs> Jimmy G, a right of first refusal on a Ryan Neal. Mm-hmm. So he may be back. I don't, he's a restricted free agent. I still don't even really understand what that means or why it happens, to be honest, but I know if another team offers him a contract, like we get the chance to match it kind of thing. I kind of hope we do. I really like him. Yeah. He's just been a solid player for us. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's semi redundant that with, that we signed Julian love and it make, it leads to the speculation about Adams because you know, what's going on with that, having all these starting caliber players and starting caliber compensation at the safety position you know Mm -hmm. it's it's just kind of odd but um i mean it's not a bad thing when you have more good players in your secondary so i'm i'm all for it but i wonder if they're gonna move kobe bryant back to outside corner because he didn't play nickel in college we just were like experimenting with him his rookie year essentially what's going on with trey brown i feel like i haven't really heard much from him I haven't either. He had a pretty, de- I mean, he had the, the patella tendon injury, which you remember Jimmy Graham had. Yeah. That, yeah. And, um, this is going way back, but Victor Cruz back in the day, he had that same injury and he that, was like, never ended this- his career. Yeah. And he was, he was a really good wide receiver. He was kind of like Odell before Odell, but, uh, I think Trey Brown, I mean, he wasn't able to come back to like November of last year or something. And, he got some playing time, but at that point, um, Mike Jackson had locked up the left cornerback spot. Obviously, you're not going to take Tariq Woolen off the field. So it, it's hard to see a place where uh, Trey Brown gets playing time now with who we have in the secondary. But he's still on a rookie contract. We're going to have him. So at the very least, it's like 
you know, remember when Walter Thurmond and Jeremy Lane were backup corners? Mm-hmm. They would start on like 30 other teams. I was going to say, it's a pretty good problem to have if Trey Brown is your Walter Thurmond or Jeremy Lane. You know, yeah. Giving yeah. you some depth. Because, I mean... I mean that that's how he won a Super Bowl, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's not it, but I mean it was a key part of that team. Right. And I remember in the preseason, we just fucking ran circles around every team. Cause our, <laughs> our third stringers were like starting caliber players. Yeah. Those were those were really fun times, man. <sighs> those um, were the days. Indeed. But the thing is, I really feel like I don't know what the hell John and Pete were putting in their fucking coffee from like twenty 14 through 2021 but they seem to have like found themselves again in the last year because every move they're making i'm like oh this is a good fucking like just a good thought process like uh draft process wise or just who who they're going after they're just players that make sense you know every player we picked in the draft last year i'm like oh this makes sense given the state of our team the i when I think of the Seahawks from like 2014 to 20 or basically till Russell Wilson is, was traded, mm-hmm. it reminds me a lot of the era when the Mariners had Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz. Mm. Like they were good, but they like weren't good enough to make the playoffs. And I feel like that's kind of how the Seahawks were. They were good, but they were never good enough to even make it to the NFC championship. Yeah. It's kind of like they're analogous to like Bobby and Russ, you know, like we had our two mega superstars top at their position or close to it. And then a lot of people around them were mid as the kids would say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, and, and again, similar rebuild styles after, I feel like after front office for the Mariners realized they couldn't win with Cano and, all these veterans that had been on our team for years, we just cleaned house and went on full rebuild. And I mean, we didn't go full rebuild Seahawks, but trading your franchise quarterback is essentially committing to, at the very least, we're probably going to win, or our ceiling is probably going to be nine games. And it was. Yeah. It seems like when Pete rebuilds though, it still leads to a playoff appearance. Cause yeah. the last two times we've rebuilt or retooled or whatever the fuck people want to call it. You know, I think after the 2017 season, when the Legion of boom died and basically we had Earl Thomas left in 2018, but he gave us the finger literally after the fourth yeah. game. So that was a rebuild. You know, we're, we were moving on from all of those, hall of fame level players on defense and we made the playoffs that year and decided to run the ball every play against the cowboys and lost but mm-hmm. um still made the playoffs so it's it's weird i feel like 2018 2022 are similar in some ways but also quite different i mean th- there's not really a comparable year to the one we just had right but we're we're in a really cool spot where we have a bunch of good players top of the list is gino i mean gino was a, on nfl.com's top 100 free agent list he was number two behind only lamar jackson like mm-hmm. gino is legit he's maybe the second best quarterback in the nfc right now if and that's not an exaggeration to say we have one of the best quarterbacks in the conference on a 10 million dollar deal and we also have the flexibility to move on from gino if we you know draft a quarterback or something so that's still on the table um, but what do you think about the Drew Locke deal? Like, do you do you think that pretty much wipes out the chance of taking a quarterback at five? Or uh, it, I feel like it does maybe lessen the chances of taking a quarterback early. I do, however, think we have a good shot at taking a quarterback maybe in the second round, third round. I keep hearing Hendon Hooker, and the thought of drafting him in the second does intrigue me. I do worry though, like if if quarterbacks get taken one through four i i kind of question whether or not he will be available by the end of the first round so yeah and i mean to say i guess one thing we haven't even brought up that is a huge change from the last time we spoke is the panthers trading up from nine to one oh yeah yeah that that did happen because that that changes the whole dynamic of the top five because now i mean the panthers are almost certainly taking either bryce young or cj stroud i've even heard some reports that they're looking at richardson at number one which is crazy because I remember at the beginning of this, he was like fringe first rounder. And now he's after that combine performance, they're like, this guy's going to be the best player ever. 
And I, I, I mean, I, I love Richardson. It just, it doesn't even seem like we're going to get a chance at one of those three guys now. Cause I Panthers, see- Texans, you got the Cardinals at three. I see them probably trying to trade down if anything. Yeah. Um, but the plus side of that is there's a decent chance. Will Anderson falls to us. And, um, that would be pretty fucking exciting. Well, yeah. Uh, going back to the quarterback thing, I could definitely see the Panthers taking Richardson um, purely because I, I feel like uh, their coach, Frank Reich, he didn't really get a chance to have his own project of a quarterback yeah. in Indianapolis. He had Carson He Wentz. was a quarterback. So I feel like, I don't know, maybe he will. that's who he'll try and mold and bring up they did sign Andy Dalton too so they don't have to start Richardson I thought Andy Dalton start signed with uh I'm pretty sure he signed the Colts I know Colts signed Gardner Minshew yeah no I'm pretty sure Andy Dalton went to the Panthers oh let me yeah I I was thinking Colts because Frank Reich was just the Colts coach but he's the Panthers now okay yeah went to the Panthers. just a little mix up Colts got uh Minshew so Colts got Minshew both of those teams, you know, if it comes down to it, could go with a veteran to start the year. I think both those teams are drafting a quarterback, though, and that's that's what I was getting at is the Colts sitting there at number four. I feel like they're just taking whoever is left. God, poor Minshew. He's, like, always in quarterback competition no matter where he goes. Yeah. And I feel like he always does good, but he just the guy that he's competing against is, like, a number one pick. Yeah, he's got a very similar career arc to like Jacoby Brissett, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Who they're both like, you know, people think of them as like the 34th best quarterback in the league well, in a given year or like a Fitz Magic, you know. Well, yeah, it is kind of like Fitz Magic but like with a little bit more like somehow swag to him. I, <laughs> honestly, like I I saw a play that Minshew was making the other day when he signed with Indianapolis and he like stepped up in the into the pocket, like was moving around and then like threw a uh, ball to the corner of the end zone, like on the run. And I was like, if he's making plays like that, he is capable of being a starter. Yeah, I definitely think he is too. I think the thing with Minshew is his physical limitations. A team looks at him and then they look at someone like, even like Will Levis and they're like, Will Levis is a bigger guy. Will Levis is probably a faster guy. He can throw the ball further and all that. But the thing is, Minshew's a better quarterback than him, you know, like Mm -hmm. just looking at it objectively and experience and accuracy and all those things. But I feel like organizations these days want the physical freak for the theoretical upside of, you know, having the big, strong, fast Uber athlete at the position. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that is driven just based off of like Mahomes fever, Josh Allen fever, like all these, you know, freaks that we've had come out in the last decade that have just set the league on fire. Mm-hmm. It's really changed the way people look at the quarterback position. And cool. even Carson Wentz, you look at his first couple of years, like he put up a MVP caliber season in 2017 and then has kind of sucked ass since then. But well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Carson Wentz ran the ball a lot. Didn't he do read option and all that? And then he hurt his ACL and kind of stopped seeing a lot of that or a lot of success from that, mind you. I don't know how often he was like running to run, but he scrambled a fuck ton to throw for sure. Because I remember I was at the Eagles game in 2017 uh, when the Seahawks were playing them, and he had a throw where he was flushed out to the right side and threw it like 60 yards downfield to Nelson Aguilar. And I was like, how the fuck did he do that? He was getting tackled when he threw it. Yeah. So that, like it's bizarre to think about like the good days of Carson Wentz because he was really good that year. Yeah, he was he, insane. Yeah. And, and he looked like Mahomes before Mahomes that year. Yeah. And now you think about Wentz and you like pity the guy. Yeah. He's been on three teams in three years. He just got cut by the fucking commanders. Yeah, that's it, not good. Being replaced by Sam Howell. A he's probably out of the league. I mean, I feel like, you know, he, maybe he's maybe he hasn't signed to this point because he's probably only getting opportunities to be a backup. But I think at this point in his career, that's what he's looking at. You mm-hmm. know, he the last couple of times he's had a chance. I thought he did OK in Indianapolis, but. 
that last game is just like a stain, you know, that all they had to do was beat the worst fucking team, the Jaguars, and they got their ass beat <laughs> and missed the playoffs. Uh, but I, back to what you were saying earlier, I definitely think the Colts are like all in on drafting a QB with Frank Reich because they've gone. I mean, Philip Rivers was playing for them a little bit ago. They've just had a like merry-go-round of veteran quarterbacks at their position basically since Andrew Luck died. No, not basically. Like that is the reality. Yeah. Every season they've had a new quarterback since he's left. So yeah, they I I could see them definitely like absolutely they're going to take a quarterback even though they have Minshew like yeah without question and um back to the bears i think the bears are making really good moves right now because same not only did they get a first and a second in the future from the panthers with that trade they also got dj moore who's a really good receiver and what they're doing right now is they're doubling down on justin fields who's you know extremely talented but a little bit of a question mark I think the dumbest things NFL teams do is they have a talented young quarterback on a shitty roster and they suck for two years because they're on a terrible team. And then they're like, okay, well, we need to draft a new quarterback because this isn't working. And they just keep doing that. Like the Jets, for example. Yeah. Um, So the Bears took full advantage of the cap space that they had and signed like every top free agent this week. And they even got a guy like Donta Foreman who... It's not a superstar, but he put up really good numbers in Carolina last year, and he's going to be their RB2. Yeah, he's and, shown that he can be he can perform while being in a committee. Yeah. And who, what is it, Khalil Herbert is also on the Bears now? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Is he good? I don't know anything about him. Um, I mean, he's, a, he's okay. He's a, he's a backup running back on the Bears. He's about as good as you would expect. If yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> no, that that <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this top of the draft plays out in about six weeks because we haven't brought it up, but you heard about Jalen Carter's pro day, right? Yeah, it was he sh- bad. He showed up looking like a tub of goo. And he couldn't do anything because he kept cramping up. Yeah. The legal situation has been resolved, so he's not facing any jail time. But you couple that with the previously seen reports of the character concerns with him plus showing up to your pro day basically your job interview and just looking so not prepared it it's a really muddy situation right now because you turn on the tape he is the best player in this draft like no question but these concerns are legitimate and you know, he's only 21 years old, which at a certain point I kind of feel bad for because he's literally just a huge kid and he's dealing with, you know, criminal charges and the loss of a teammate that I'm sure he was friends with. I was going to say, maybe that has something to do with the overweight and I not think it being able to perform because to it. yeah, if you have the most golden opportunity ever in front of you and, the potential of being a number one overall pick in the NFL. And then this befalls you. I mean, granted he made the choices, so it's not like the world is against him or anything like that. Yeah. Like these things happen and he's got to like answer to the consequences and people make mistakes and he probably feels horrible and probably feels horrible for the loss of a teammate. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm genuinely concerned for his mental health is what I'm trying to say. This Same. is, I can't, I, I think of how I was at 21 and I can't imagine dealing with all of this at once. Like that's, you're not emotionally fully developed or even close to it when you're a 21 year old man and being in the situation he is with all of the media suddenly, you know, watch, they're going to start calling him a thug or this or that. Cause they always do this, especially mm-hmm. with certain players. Yeah. Um, and so I look at it and I'm like, is he a huge risk at five? Yes. Yeah. It's very scary and risky, but just because of the prospect of it not working out, like you can't miss with a top five pick, you know, that sets you back. But on the other hand, it's like Pete Carroll has been willing to take a swing on a guy with character concerns in the past. And I could give you countless examples, but uh, let's just start with the biggest one, Marshawn Lynch, you know, the Bills 
gave up on him because of the basically the off the field stuff. Look how that turned out. Bruce Irvin is another example. That guy, people don't talk about it. He had one of the craziest combines ever for an edge rusher. He ran a 4-4, being a 250-pound outside linebacker, defensive end. That today would be elite combine performance, like Nolan, Nolan Smith level. He had a ton of off-the-field concerns coming into the draft. So I do believe in Pete's ability to to manage guys like that and just the culture that we have here, but... What, what do you think about that? Because I do think there's like a 90% chance that we're going to get a chance to draft him. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I wanted to bring up something that reminded me of bringing out the best in players uh, before I answer that. Um, well, I guess I'll just answer that. Yeah, I think we should take him at five if he is available. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's because Pete is the best at bringing the best out of his players and letting them be themselves. And I remember an episode of Hard Knocks uh, that the Lions were in at the start of the season. I think it was the running backs coach. Um, He was talking about Jamal Williams Mm -hmm. and how they let Jamal Williams do all of the weird things that he does in interviews and wears all the like Pokemon stuff. Uh, which honestly, I think it's cool because I mean I, that's what we grew up yeah, with. So I, I was I like it. I was almost hoping we'd sign him just because I think he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about how like if they if the coaching staff doesn't allow him to be himself like that and in that environment, you probably don't get the most out of him yeah. that he gives to the team. And I feel like Pete Carroll, that is his language. That's is his like, mo. Yeah, that is how he that's how he is successful is he brings the best out of his players, even the knuckleheads. Yeah. The guys with fire like DK Metcalf. He I feel like Pete Carroll likes that sort of edgy, loose cannon type of personality in a player like, oh, this is a different breed of a person. Mm -hmm. They're going to give it their all. And they got a little bit of a fire to him. And yeah. And, and that's I, something that that to me that screams like Seahawk, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like just guy who's pretty unorthodox, but has like a special quality about them. That's literally in Pete's introductory press conference in 2010. He mentioned that exact term. Basically, mm-hmm. that's that's his mo. So I like if I were to make a tier list of my reaction to what we do at number five, Jalen Carter would probably be in like its own tier as like probably best move we could make on paper, but also I'm really nervous about it, you know, just because like, you know, think of like Malik McDowell, you know, and that was a second round pick. So it's, it's tough. It's definitely tough, but I think there's a really good chance we're going to get the opportunity to draft either him or Anderson at five. So it's tough. If both of them are there, who are you taking? The thing is, like, theoretically, it's like, okay, Will Anderson is a no-brainer, but Jalen Carter is so much more of a, like, we have a decent crop of edge rushers, um, and there's a lot of edge rushers we can get at 20 or with our two second-round picks or even with the third-round pick. Um, and I think I think Will Anderson is your starter day one, and he's a Pro Bowl-type player. Um, but I think if you can get the best out of Jalen Carter, like we're talking like hall of fame level ability with him. Right. And I don't know, like with Will Anderson, I think you were literally getting like basically what Vaughn Miller is right now, right away, but you're not getting 2012 Vaughn Miller. That was one of the most explosive, like Will Anderson ran a four, six. That's good. He has all these good measurables, but he's, his, his prowess is more of just how solid of a player he is, you know? Right. Like, so. And you also look at edge rushers, like you were just saying, they're kind of a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Whereas a player like Jane, a player like Jalen Carter, they're a lot more difficult to find yeah. a player like that. And I've heard the, the Indomitian Sioux comps and all that. And that sounds like a hall of fame player. Yeah. Me. Like so. Warren Sapp, for example, or like mm-hmm. he's, a, he's way bigger than Aaron Donald. So like I say Aaron Donald, but he's a totally different type of player. Isn't not, that bizarre thinking someone is way bigger than Aaron. Yeah. Donald? <laughs> <laughs> like, like at least like 20 pounds heavier and like five inches taller or something. 
Um, but yeah, like it, just think about having a defensive front that has Jalen Carter on it and Dramonte Jones, like just those two guys right there. That's like one of the top three, four fronts in the league. Yeah. Um, the main thing we got to do after that point, and there's a guy named Mozzie Smith, who's a big hulking, uh, cause we need a nose tackle is mm-hmm. what I'm getting at. Uh, I've heard reports we might be cutting Al Woods. Oh, that's a bummer. He's like 36, 37. He's like, productive. I, I like Al Woods. I'd be both totally fine. I almost worry about that, though. I feel like he's like a Red Bryant. Remember how shitty our defense was after we let him go? Well, we went to the, back to the Super Bowl after we cut him, but even still, he was a big loss to our defense. Yeah, he was He was a really unique player himself. Like He was like the biggest defensive end of all time. I... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm just hesitant on letting go of Al Woods for that reason. Well, because of the memories of losing Red Bryant. I, I'm with you. I also just think there's a decent chance he retired. Like he soft retired after 2019. He didn't play the COVID year. Yeah. And we basically were like, hey, you want to come back and, mm-hmm. in 2020 or 2021 or what? Or it was 2021. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing is like he's. It'd be great to bring him back, but at his age and the position he plays, there's just really good chance it's like not gonna work out. Yeah. Um, but we there is a guy in Mozzie Smith or Siaki Ika, he's the other like pure nose tackle in this draft. I'm not as high on Ika. It I, he just doesn't seem he's so slow, it's like you're basically just there to take up space. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if you have really good three, four ends in Jalen Carter and Jermont, uh, Draymond Jones, it makes that need a little less of a need. It makes being there to take up space make a little bit more sense. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, like, yeah, maybe I've just talked myself into getting Siaki you just covered all the bases and you're like well actually this makes sense (laughs) yeah but what so the moves we made in free agency basically have made me feel like at every spot we're picking this year we can take pretty much any position besides like jesus christ if they pick a fucking safety in the first round i'm gonna shit my pants they won't do that i hope Holy shit. I, like, I think that's the only thing they could do that would actually make me angry. Or like if they took... It, or a tight end. I was going to say that too, but even then you're like, well, okay, at least I can kind of talk myself into it. But then you're like, okay, well, we have four tight ends on the roster. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I would be down to trade Noah Fant and get like Darnell Washington in round two, though. That That could be fun. Yeah, because he brings something different to the table, and you know, also Colby Parkinson kind of looked like the better player towards the end of last year. It was a relief seeing him have some hands out there. Yeah, remember when we met him last year? He was huge. Like he kept walking, and it was like he blocked out the sun. He's so (laughs) tall. (laughs) Yeah, he's really nice too. Yeah, one of the nicer guys that like he was one of the. I mean, they all were busy, but like he like took the time of day to talk to you and i mean i was standing there too but i was like shell shocked i had nothing to say <laughs> yeah that was that was a cool day i can't i definitely we should try to go to that training camp thing like a few times because what was it like 30 dollars or something mm-hmm. yeah and it was no it was not really even fun. that i think it was i think i paid like 26 bucks for two it might be fun if we just do that like three weekends in a row. So this podcast is just like the training camp report during the summer. I think we should do that because yeah. that would just be beneficial for us and for the listeners. Those of you that out there. All 20 of you. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate every single one of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we've pretty much wrapped up everything that's happened Seahawks wise in the last week. I have, I haven't seen any other news come down the wire in the last 20 minutes or so. So watch, we're going to end this podcast and then Lamar Jackson's going to get traded (laughs) and Bobby Wagner and Aaron Rodgers. Like everyone is going to go to their respective teams. Speaking of which we should talk about Aaron Rodgers before we sign off. Cause did you listen to his interview with Pat? Um, kind of, I saw like bits and pieces of it, like little clips here and there on the internet. Um, what, what are you referring to? Are you referring to the 90% retirement or are you referring to the Adam Schefter thing? Oh, uh, the Adam Schefter thing. I just thought was funny. <laughs> it was like, lose my number. 
Um, but uh, I just think Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers, is such a strange character, man, because he basically just kind of like contradicted what he had said earlier, like immediately, because he's like. Well, before I went into the darkness, the Packers were like, all right, take your time. We'll, you know, we'll we'll give you as much time as you want, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was already hearing swirling rumors about him going to the Jets before he even did this. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really seem to match up with me. And um, yeah, and like him going 90% retired going into it. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll take him at his word for it, but... I feel like Rodgers just he has kind of a really overinflated ego is what I, every time I listen to him, I'm just like, this guy just has this like air of smugness about him that I just I can't fucking get past. And so just listening to him <laughs> acts like the Packers front office wasn't being fair to him. And I'm like, dude, you didn't even show up to training camp last year. You're, you know, you're, you're doing all this weird shit in your own time, which I think is cool and interesting, but like, you're not making it easier on your team dealing with it. So it's just, it's a weird situation. And I think the craziest thing to me is like, it's the jets. It's at age 39 after his whatever 15th season why is this just Brett Favre round two, like almost beat for beat? <laughs> well, I, the funniest thing about it to me is even though he debunked the rumors and said they weren't true about him having the Jets in a chokehold and having this list of demands and the Jets going after all these players and signing them like Alan Lazard, for example, that's just so funny. Like if he doesn't go to the Jets <laughs> and then just has them do all these moves and then it's like all right i'm gonna stay with green bay they just start <laughs> like dude and then green bay's fucked because they're already like propping up jordan love and seeming to like move on and now they're like oh fuck we gotta pay aaron Rodgers 60 million dollars we can't sign anybody or do anything because that's why did they do that that was such a weird move and then they got rid of Devonte adams it's like you should have gotten rid of rogers kept adams and drafted who you drafted for receivers and then you could build around Jordan Love. Yeah, imagine Devontae Adams, Christian Watson. I mean, Dobbs is okay. Uh that's a really good three receiver set there. Yeah. And instead, they're in this weird situation. And I keep seeing these reports that the Packers are willing to take this all the way to the draft before they make a move. Why? You are hamstringing your own team <laughs> by not being able to sign people by doing this. Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I don't know what they're doing. And the the other teams in the NFC North are only getting better. Detroit yeah. and Chicago, I feel like, are going to be the two. Weirdly enough, they are never the two that are I fighting know. for the division. But I think this is the first time we're going to be seeing it. You look at it on paper. Like, the Bears made themselves a lot better this week. Yeah. And they still have the top, the, the ninth pick, and a whole bunch of other draft capital to swing here. Something you brought up that I think is really curious is the prospect of then getting a Bijan Robinson Mm -hmm. that would be a really electric the read option with Bijan and Justin Fields I think they were going to do that because that would be fucking crazy why would they not do that I think you don't have a running back anymore I think well they said I mean you have Foreman but uh, I mean you let a guy walk that was a trusted player in your organization for four years I think um the one thing they may end up doing is getting like an offensive tackle or something because they're right in that range where they could get a top tackle in this draft. Or they could also go after Smith uh, and Jigba at yeah. number nine. He played with Justin Fields in college for a season, I think. They might try to do that Burrow, Chase. Yeah. Carbon and, copy. And think of a three-receiver set with him in the slot and then you have uh, David Mo- or DJ Moore outside and... Either Claypool on the other end or Mooney. I don't really know who of those two is Th- better. Those would be four good receivers. I think, as I've said before, I think that uh, Chase Claypool is kind of a chump, but I think so too. But if he's your wide receiver three, that's pretty good. I mean, that's yeah. better than our wide receiver three by a good chunk, I would say. Mm-hmm. But if he's your wide receiver one, like you're fucked, which is which is what they were in last year. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that offense on paper is a lot more scary than what I mean. The Vikings have, you know, they still have Dalvin Cook and the Justin Jefferson. But 
I don't know. I, I do. I see the, the tides turning towards the Lions and the Bears a lot more this year. Yeah, it was Packers Vikings for ages. And now it's no longer that no longer the case. And I'm here for it because I'm fucking sick of both those teams. The Vikings are just destined to lose in the first two rounds of the playoffs every year. And the Packers have been destined to lose in the championship. The Vikings are like the 2014 or 2015 to 2020 Seahawks, but like forever. <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> Cause like, I'm like, damn, you're right. But ugh. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny. Like all those years as they're going by, it felt like we were still on this special thing and we were going to get back to the Super Bowl this year. But like looking back at it, it's just like, we never had a fucking chance. I never time. thought we were going to go to the Super Bowl ever from that time period. Honestly, <laughs> I thought we sucked. I, I mean, I mean, I didn't think we sucked, but I thought we were like, like the year we won the division and then the Rams kicked our ass. I was really mad that game, but I was also like not surprised. That was, I felt like the last good chance we had in 2019. Like we were an average team that was overperforming, but it was fun. And that was yeah. Wilson's. Be- I think that was Wilson's best year. He, cause the level of difficulty he was playing under that season was insane. Mm-hmm. And the, like half of our wins were fourth quarter comebacks. It was crazy, but I, you know, the wheels started to fall off in 2020 and yeah, by, by the end of the year, I was like, I'm just glad we're making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But remember, we started off five and zero that year, and it was like that. That was the best start we've ever had. Yeah, and we were putting up like thirty eight points a game or something crazy yeah. like that. Uh, uh, yeah. So much promise to only come crashing down like violently immediately by our most hated rival at home. <laughs> yeah, thankfully no fans were there. That made it a little better. Yeah, that's that's easier to stomach, I think. But yeah, uh, speaking of our division, um, I think we if we can split the series with the 49ers, which I know big if they whooped our ass three times last year. But dude, the Rams and the Cardinals are going to suck ass next year. They're They're both in Capel, Kyler Murray, torn ACL coach Gannon, like which will play that soundbite and post. (laughs) Let's have some fun. Buckle up. <laughs> that just reminds me of buckle up, buckaroo. Uh, I'm surprised nobody's like done that face swap. I, yeah, that's maybe immediately we, what I thought. Maybe of. we can start that, and then that's how this podcast will take off. Yeah, that's how we get our our kick our kickoff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I th- I think just looking at the landscape of the NFC, especially with Rodgers going to the AFC. I mean, every good quarterback is in the AFC pretty much besides Hertz, Gino, I guess Stafford Carr. I don't know. Kirk cousins. Like, I mean, Kirk cousins, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford to me, they've all been around like the 18th to 14th best quarterbacks for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid of any of those guys. It's like the Eagles and the Niners top two teams in the conference. I think, you know, maybe you say the lions are even the third best and we're the fourth. I don't know. But like, you think the Cowboys uh, they have a really good defense. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess the Cowboys. I just never consider them because I'm like, well, they're going to lose before they get to the NFC Championship. They're, they're, yeah. It's illegal for them to not do that. Yeah. So I, I'm just not worried about them. And I guess, I don't know, the Giants, but they just gave Daniel Jones like a fucking golden fucking contract for no reason when he threw 15 touchdowns. So <laughs> now they're fucked. They have their running back who is injury prone on the franchise tag. Like it's, it's a mess. Yeah. They quickly went from like a promising upstart team to cap strapped losers. Yeah. It's all because of Daniel Jones. Yeah. He did just mediocre enough to like have any amount of leverage in the contract negotiations. (laughs) Like, I don't know why, like if I'm the giants, I would have just been like, okay, walk, we'll sign fucking Derek Carr or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I guess with that in mind, the Saints could be sneaky. I just, I don't know. No, I don't think so. The, the NFC is going to get their ass kicked in every AFC, like, interconference game next year. Yeah. Like, li- seriously, 
if you make a top 12 quarterback list, 10 of them are in the AFC right now. Well, I mean, the it was the opposite for the 2010s. The yeah. NFC had all the dominant quarterbacks, and now they're all old and retiring and or retired mm-hmm. or on their way out the door. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And that's and, a lot of why Brady made it to all those AFC championships and Super Bowls. Is yeah. Like, and it's like, yeah, all those bad AFC teams got their franchise quarterback eventually and now that it has i mean it's it's pretty it's, totally it's pretty shifted. simple yeah like, i just ha- i guess i haven't thought about it that way but you're totally right yeah like those teams the jaguars the Bengals, the well the texans are going to get their franchise quarterback for the third time because they are always bad <laughs> um but yeah those teams they just have their guy now because they sucked forever and they got so many opportunities at the first round pick or the first overall pick like Trevor Lawrence on to Jacksonville. Joe I Burrow. think it's so funny. The Jets don't have Trevor Lawrence because they decided to beat the Rams in 2020 and, and they got Zach Wilson. Yeah. garbage. <laughs> but who's to say that they wouldn't have turned Trevor Lawrence into Zach Wilson. Like I, I think quarterback success has a lot to do with where they end up. You yeah, know, like, I mean, I don't know. The Jets co- coach seems like a good guy. He's the uh, Robert Sala. Did they have him when they drafted Zach Wilson, though? Yeah, that no. was his. I think that was his first year last year. Hmm. So maybe I'm just too hard on them because their fans talk so much shit about the Jamal Adams trade and I'm sick of it. I don't even know a Jets fan. I spend too much time on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. This draft we got to nail it, but basically all this to say we were really good shot at being something special next year, I think, which I didn't even a few weeks ago, I didn't think was going to be the case. Yeah. It's certainly promising, especially seeing all these signings today, uh, making my worries go away about the linebacker position. Uh, not entirely, but it certainly answers some questions. Uh, as I'd like far to as see us going- draft a linebacker or two still for Agreed. sure. Agreed. Uh, I'm just saying, like, as far as we we had nobody at the yeah, position Nick prior Ballor to Nick was going to be a starting linebacker, like, a week ago, given where our roster was. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm excited to see what happens in the, the upcoming weeks and even on draft day, obviously. Indeed, yeah, we got just under six weeks until we hit that point. Um, maybe we will get a little video action coming at you guys between now and then. We'll see. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about it, but it'll happen. It'll happen. Um, it'd be fun. To, man, we'll at the very least have some reaction videos during the draft, like sitting there or standing there with everybody. When yeah. we go up to make the pick at number five, we got to film that. Yeah, we will. That's going to be a big moment. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've been JR Takes once again and uh, sounding off. Thanks for listening. Yep. Catch you on the next one.